Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. Uh, it's great to be back. We have an amazing episode today with Guy Rhodes Farrelly on Instagram at G-E-A-R-O-I-D-F-A-R-R-E-L-L-Y, Guy Rhodes Farrelly. Farrelly, jeez. I know a lot of uh, our American listeners won't have heard Guy Rhodes as a name very often, so I wanted to spell it out. Um, Guy Rhodes, Irish comic that I've known for years, and uh, we talk, you know, he has a really interesting story uh, about being bullied in primary school it's kind of it's it's upsetting actually but it's 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 heartwarming the way that he tells it and how he dealt with it he you know he's a, he's uh openly gay uh and had a very supportive family but the it's just very interesting to hear him talk about how difficult it was when he was very young um and how he was singled out as different and uh so I really appreciate his honesty uh, and opening up about that. Uh, and it also just makes the funny parts of our chat so much funnier to see how he's overcome so much adversity in his youth to be, uh, you know, such a successful, confident, entertaining person in his adulthood. We, uh, we have some fun early on just about comedy and, you know, the pandemic and technology. And then we get into his backstory growing up in Finglas in Dublin and what I, uh, all the stuff that I just mentioned. Then we talk about the marriage referendum, which he has a very interesting take on. And then we have some laughs at the end, just about comedy in general. So this is a really cool episode. Uh, don't forget at Des Bishop on Instagram. Don't forget to leave reviews on Apple podcasts, take a screenshot on Spotify, spread the word. I'm going to uh, chat to Garros now and I'll be back at the end Thank you very much. So uh, in relation to what we were just talking about, because I, I do want to talk a little bit about your life, because actually I don't know that much about your life. I just know you're like a funny comic that I've gotten to know over the years, but I don't, I, I, I don't even know where you're from. So before I ask you where you're from, just in relation to what we're just saying, do you ever look at the TikTok stuff and the Instagram stuff and kind of think like, man, when I had the, the early naivety <laughs> and zest and lack of self-awareness, I would have blown up if I had if I had that. Do you ever think that? No. Do you know what? Actually, and I'm kind of glad I don't think that. I think the opposite. I always think, God, I could have really fucked myself. <laughs> 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 I'm so glad I didn't have any of this stuff. Because <laughs> um, I, I do. I was. I think when I got into comedy, I was very. You know, it's that kind of fake it till you make it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think I was very good for a while. Like, I mean, I think oh, I was, you didn't you didn't feel like you different. belonged? Yeah, yeah, I don't think, yeah, I didn't feel like I belonged definitely, but I didn't feel, I, I always felt I have to get better at this. If I don't get better at this, I'm, you know, I'm not doing it anymore because I, I, like, I could see, like, because back then the International was this big hot hub and everyone was brilliant. Uh, and every time I went in there, it was like, I have to get better. I just want to get better. Um, so if I didn't see any progress, I definitely would have chucked it. Um, but I think that had I been doing stuff that was going to stay around forever back then, oh, it would have been bad. <laughs> I know. It's it's interesting because I, I, I think back hypothetically in my mind. And when I see stuff from my first couple of years, I cringe. There's very little of it, but when I see it, I cringe but I also cringe when I see things that go viral and I'm just like, how is this going viral? It's literally yeah. the lowest common denominator. And I, I kind of feel like in a way my, uh, my entry level comedy sensibilities, they would have blown up online, but this is all hypothetical. It's not sour grapes. Okay. I'm happy to be a 45 year old guy. So, so I'm just, you know, sometimes I think like before you knew, 
that you weren't as that good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could have thrown it up there, and everybody would have been like, "This is awesome! This Irish guy is so cute." Yeah, may- <laughs> yeah, maybe, like maybe. But I, I, I'm always really like whenever I find an old clip or something, I'm like, "Oh God!" Because back then I used to always record everything, so I've so I had so many. Um, Every so often I come across this file that's 15 minutes long from 2009. And I think, oh, this, we're in for a rough ride here. <laughs> Is it audio or video? Audio. Yeah, audio. I know. Oh. I think you should put one of a couple of them up. Oh, God. Maybe, yeah. I mean, but it's just so hard to listen to because it's like, oh, God, Garot. <laughs> I know. I, I, I mean, listen, I, I'm with you 100%. So, so where are you from? I, I, from Glasnevin, I went to school in Finglas, in De La Salle, uh, in Finglas, and yeah, I've been there since I was about four years of age, I think. Ah, right, yeah, because for some reason, I, I, I just didn't know that. And so you're, you're, you're part of a, a not, like, so you, you, were you always an openly gay comedian? Yeah, that was kind of the deal that I made with myself, because I used to do kind of stupid characters and stuff, and I was like, oh, well, if I, if I because I was always really paranoid. I was like, okay, I need to get it out that I'm gay really quick or, or, or in case someone else hits me with it, like in a heckle. So right. that was always my thing. It was like from the top, I'm gay. And that's, that was kind of my, I was like, I'll be able to do it if I can do it this way. But what I couldn't wait for was like, I knew a few years in, I'd be able to just start without that. Right. That, that, that you gay know. wasn't your thing. Yeah, and, and and I remember the first time I was able to do it, I was doing comedy about three years, and it was just like I didn't mention being gay at all. I just m- mentioned my boyfriend, and that was. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, right, this is where we are now. Now I feel like we're now we're sucking diesel. <laughs> but did, did you still feel when you said your boyfriend that people were like, or no? It, to be honest, it was actually it's the way so many of those comedy things evolve. Is I just did something backwards. I was trying new stuff. And I, I just didn't do anything about being gay. And then I went into an old bit just to fix something else. And, and, it, and it just all worked. And I was like, oh, all right, grand, grand. I don't have to do that anymore. It was just like the security blanket just letting go of it for the first time. Like, now, but I remember you, it really well. When you started doing comedy and you're worried about somebody heckling you to say you're gay, was that because you were paranoid that you were, pre- you, you were presenting as super camp? And like, like that, that's kind of a weird, I mean, I, not, not that it's weird, but to me, I, I think... Oh, is is was that something that you always had to deal with? People pointing out. Oh that you were yeah, gay? yeah. Like growing up, definitely. Like I mean, growing up because I went to school in Finglas, which was you know, <laughs> like I was a gay guy in Finglas. Uh, but were you in, were you in out? In, were you out? In school no, I wasn't. But I was just, just I was calling. a very camp kid. You know, like I was really <laughs> looking back. Like I used to like. At the time, I was like, why am I being bullied? I just want to read Nancy Drew books in the yard. Like, <laughs> and even I look back and I go, God, girl, you were like, you didn't help yourself. But I was just so naive. Like, but um, so I just, yeah, I just guess that you, you kind of grow up with that as it's always, a, you're always on the back foot with it a little bit. So I felt when I was doing something like comedy, it was really exposing. So I thought, well, I better get this out first, just so it doesn't get in the way. Yeah. Plus um, everybody... Everybody, particularly when they're starting out, they they lean into like a strong oh, yeah, the thing, the thing about yourself. Yeah. You know, for me, it was like American in Ireland. You know, like if you had tried to hide that, that would be like a lot of material that you couldn't do. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> but also as well, there was nobody else. Like there was no other gay comedian around at that time. I know, which is uh, crazy to think, isn't it? For the amount, yeah, of, you know, and for the amount of whatever about the amount of gay people in Ireland, the amount of gay people in the entertainment industry. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, that there was, wasn't more crazy. of that. And yeah, and I definitely think it led to me getting things, you know, before I was ready for them, actually, some of the stuff I did, um, which, you know, you was needed to the fill time. The, the next Graham Norton bracket thing. Yeah, yeah. I remember, like, I remember I did a couple of panel shows and stuff. Uh, yeah. And it was around the time Alan Carr was blowing up and all that. Right. So I, I guess they were, I don't even think they were looking, but I remember it was like, camp it up now, really camp, really camp. And at yeah. the time I'd be like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I was doing. Um, but then, I mean, you just kind of go, uh, you know, I'm just going to go on my own, do my own thing. It's all good. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I do feel, I mean, not that, not, not that it mattered if you did it either way, but I do feel like you never really leaned in on that as part of, like, you're just a, a comedian happens to be gay, and sometimes some of your jokes talk about that part of your life, but I never felt like you really sort of went for the super camp thing, which sometimes I wonder if gay comics don't camp it up enough because they feel like they're going to get judged for camping it up, which in itself is like a, a deeper discrimination. It's gas because sometimes I think I am really camp on stage, and then other times I think I'm not. And I, I, do, I don't know where I fall on that, to be honest. And it all, I find it always depends on the material or the gig or the whatever level of crack is going on in the room. It's really weird. I and I, I haven't I haven't worked that out for myself. And I'm, like like I said, I'm doing it 13 years, and I, I haven't I haven't worked out where I land with all of that. Which is is that really, is that is that comedy or just you as a human? <laughs> <laughs> I used to think it was comedy, but now I think maybe that's just me as a person. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't figured it out yet. Made some fuck? decisions, girls. <laughs> <laughs> so, so actually, so because uh, obviously we live in such a different Ireland now, and they they see reeling in the years has put up their promo, and the the gay marriage referendum is in there. But like, let's go back. Let's go back. Because you know, I I, mean, I came down in nineteen ninety. How old are you? I'm forty three. Yeah, so you're two years younger than me. So I, I know that you, you lived uh, amidst a, a, a very less welcoming Ireland. Oh, totally, like, yeah. Is, is, was that, is that a big part of your, your growing up story? Because, I mean, it, 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 you were growing oh, up in yeah. English, there was a lot of bullying, right? Yeah, oh, loads of bullying. Like, I mean, I, God, yeah. The, the bullying, was, like, there was an awful lot of bullying when I was in primary school, which was very young t- for it. Yeah, but, how, um, how were they... W- uh, w- were they aware? Like, was that were they? Was it homophobic bullying or just your different yeah. bullying? No, it was it was homophobic bullying. But I didn't like I didn't know I was genuinely gay for until I was seventeen. Like, I like I didn't know where it was coming from. And I guessed I think it was I think a lot of it came from the fact that I had loads of sisters, so I would play with that. Yeah, I don't know. There's just. And also, I think I was just gay in my DNA, <laughs> like a big gay in my DNA. <laughs> yeah, and you don't have the, you don't have as much of the, you don't have as much of the stuff. Like I, I, I had a, a guest on recently, Blakely Thornton, and he said you have to see yourself to be yourself. You're not seeing a ton of things that make you say, "Oh, well, now I'm starting to get it." Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, also, I really fit into my surroundings when I was at home because it was for like I load of sisters, so I, I was just like, I really fit in. And I don't see anything wrong with what I'm doing or what I'm being. Uh, and then I go to school and I'm persecuted for it. But I was like, yeah, they're playing Barbies. I play Barbies. You know, like it was just, <laughs> yeah. I just didn't, I was just a square peg in a round hole, really. And do you, um, do you have any like distinct memories of like a moment where you were just like, these people see me as different? Like, is it, does anything stand out? I mean, if there's not, it doesn't oh, matter. Yeah, like I have a million of them. I mean, like, I, like I was badly bullied in a way, like something going viral, actually. That was the way I felt I was being bullied when it just became a thing that people did because they knew it was what was to be done. Oh, so like literally just like a total pile on you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. For I'd say maybe two years in primary school. So much so that I wasn't allowed to go to the yard. Because oh, they isolated the, you rather than like admonish everybody yeah, else. Yeah. So for like about maybe two years of primary school, I would work in the library at lunchtime, put the books back. <laughs> God, Carol, that's fucking horrific. Have oh, you talked? Oh, have you talked about that much? No, never. Well, I mean, no. But like, I mean, it's awful. But it's it's humongous. It, what happens? Yeah. That's absolutely. Have you not looked today. around the industry? There's a lot of people leaning in hard on their fucking their tough <laughs> stories, no, but a lot of them are not close to as tough as that. That's really that's fucking horrific. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad, definitely bad. Um, I mean, I, and I definitely, and at the time, I thought, oh my god, this is brilliant. I get to, I can work in the library. That's brilliant. I felt like this was this power thing, but um, yeah, but now I'm sure you felt some ago, relief. I'm sure you felt some relief too of not being in danger. Oh yeah, completely, completely. And even there was, you know, walking home from school, there was always the dread of that. And yeah, it was, it was horrible. I mean, I've, I, I remember, um, God, maybe this would be a six, seven years ago when I moved house. I, um, I was clearing out stuff at home, you know, uh, and there was all this school stuff. And my mom was like, oh, look, it's certificates. And I was like, oh, bin. And threw everything to bin. And my mother was just like, horrified. <laughs> but, but I don't, I really, I don't have any, like, I don't have any 
love for that time or anyone really uh, from that time. Like it definitely happened. Like when you do a few telly bits, someone would, you get a Facebook. They'd be like, oh, I remember. And I've, I have had one or two of those. I wasn't very nice to you. And oh, you I'm have, always, huh? Yeah, I, but I just, I don't engage with it. I'm just like, I have nothing to say to you. <laughs> yeah, you deal with your shit. Well, I, yeah, that's, that's, that's and then how does your, do with me. Do, I mean, I'm sure you've had chats with your mom. Like, does, you, does, does your mother, well, actually at the time, what was her awareness of what was going on? Or your, sorry, your parents in general. Um, God, what was their, I remember they used to always, yeah, they were always going down to the school. Uh, yeah, th- there was loads of that. And I do remember one time, uh, yeah, I remember one time actually, um, there was this teacher. Well, oh, I remember his name. Yeah, no, I won't say his name. He's yeah, dead, no, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, he, he's dead. So the, it, it, there's a good ending. <laughs> <laughs> the story ends really good. Cancer, he went, he went hard. <laughs> but I do remember, um, he I remember him talking to my dad. Um, cause I'd been beaten up or something. And he was like, don't worry, this will make a man of him. And I was just like, I am on my own here. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. That's, and, yeah. That's full on. I, yeah. And when I think about it now, like it was, that would have been, yeah. Cause my nephew, Scott, he, when he turned 10, I remember thinking, oh my God, he's a baby. Whereas when I was 10, I felt, no, no, I'm managing all of this. It's all. It's all good. Yeah, and it was literally you against the world. You against your the only world that you knew. Yeah. <laughs> it was mad. It's mad to look back on it. But um But you, you you haven't chatted to your mother in adulthood and different life and all that and been like well, Oh you- yeah, we have, yeah. Like we, we we talked about it and my mom and every time like something goes like I get down about something or if something goes wrong, just just in general in life, like it always goes back to, gosh, you had a very you had a very rough time then too. You know, I think they know and we know, but I just I always think with stuff like that, you can, you have to just give it its time and then let it go. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it, that was yeah. my dad's. That was my dad's philosophy too. For his tough childhood was, you know, like you can keep coming back to it, but it's just going to hold you back. That was his philosophy. Yeah, I, I don't exactly. know what the right thing to do is, by the way, but yeah. he would <laughs> well, like, he would agree with you. <laughs> well, I remember, like you know, like there's that thing of everybody, you know, talking about their story or whatever, and I remember thinking you can lean into this for the sake of comedy. And I remember I did write, I did write some of it into a show once, just as a very, very small bit. But, um, and then I just thought, I couldn't be bothered retelling this, you know, because it's just like, it, it's just, go, it's one of the things that just goes into the book that makes you, I think so. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, you know, other times, other interviews I've done, I won't mention any names, but other like gay buddies of mine, you know, gay comedians, they all seem to have a very similar reaction to you, which is basically when they get to that point of youth bullying, which seems to be almost a unanimous experience if you're yeah, yeah. You know, gay, particularly of our generation. They don't really want to get into it. And I, I can tell that it's quite painful, probably like more painful than somebody like me or anybody who hears these stories can realize. Yeah, and, and it's weird because... I think there's something around people really latching onto the story as well. Like t- people are very interested, I think, in it that it hasn't happened to because it's such a weird thing to go through. And I, I do remember once mentioning it in just like really in passing in an interview with some newspaper. And then it was a Sunday newspaper. And then on Monday getting like seven phone calls for interviews and I did one and then I got two more I was like oh no 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 not, we're not not doing this <laughs> right 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 like, yeah. I'm like no 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 <laughs> but um yeah I think it's just it's one of those things that if you go through it and you come out the other side of it I think you're just kind of like all right I've done my time now I've done the process and all that um because it's almost like it I think it's a mindset like if you're not out and that's happening to you uh, you're kind of going around in circles with it. But then when you come out, you've kind of thrown the switch. So it's like, I'm not going back to to this stuff because I think it's really easy for that stuff to bleed into your life yeah, you know, so, later yeah, on. Oh, yeah, and almost like you're, 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 you're still trapped. It's like, why give these people the power, right? 
Yeah, and and like you know, you you do a bad gig, and it's like everyone's against me, and it's like oh no, you're just you were just shit tonight, or I was just yeah. Well, we all feel that, regardless of how good our yeah, childhood was. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> we all feel like shit. After that. You just need to work a bit harder on the new stuff. That's all, girls. <laughs> so so all so. Right. You, so you said so you you became you were 17 and then suddenly you were like oh shit i i'm 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 i get it now i'm gay yeah more or less like it was um yeah and I, honestly i was the last to know i mean so much <laughs> surely like, there must so be com- sh- surely there must be com- there must be comedy there right i was the last to know <laughs> oh yeah i i like i genuinely was like i was <laughs> and a funny story actually cuz one of my friends is the you know Neve Cavanagh who won the Eurovision Yes. And she lived around the corner from me. And she's a few, she's maybe 10 years older than me. But we, we've kind of been buddies since back then. And I, <laughs> and I remember I would talk to her and like, I have a girlfriend, but I, I don't know if I like her. And Neve like tells these stories now. She's like, and there you are sitting on a Eurovision winner's steps. So <laughs> 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 now I don't know. I just, I'm not sure I like this girl. And she was like, <laughs> Really, girl? <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you see that you might be interested in? <laughs> but of course, back, to, you know, it's funny because I think nowadays she probably would have said, like the same Neve, but back then, like would have said, uh, do you think maybe you're gay? But she probably yeah. didn't feel like that was okay to say back then. Yeah, 100%. And my mother had said it loads of times. Oh, your mom had said it. Oh, yeah, loads of times. I've had so many recollections of sitting at a dinner table with her, and she's like, no, you're gay. You're definitely gay. <laughs> like, 100% gay. And I was like, I'm not. I'm, I really don't think I am. <laughs> oh, really? So that's interesting. So you actually fought it. Oh, she dragged me out of the closet kicking and screaming. But Which you is, think- it's such a different story to the people that were, like, afraid to say it. It's like... <laughs> Your mother was outing you. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And like, I'm behind me every step of the way. Like, and what was interesting was she, um, I, I think that for me, I needed that because I definitely think I would have been a complete closet case because I think in my brain, you kind of go, oh, well, if I am gay, then all of the, they were all right then. You know, all those bullies were right. They, like, they, they won. Right. So. I definitely think I needed that kick up the arse, which was interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, it, and it's funny because everybody has their own experience. But like yeah. the, the more common experience that I hear is I was afraid to come out to my parents, whereas your mother was afraid you'd never come out. <laughs> yeah, hundred <100%. laughs> percent. So, so when did you come out, like to the to the to humanity? To, well, actually. I and by remember, the way, you don't have to tell me any of these. I, I'm aware that I'm grilling you about this, but no, I, I'm, no. I'm of the opinion that I'm 45 years old and I haven't heard a lot of coming out stories. So if if I have one to hear, <laughs> I like I like hearing it. So I apologize if I'm being a stereotypical. No, no, it's too. Like I mean, I've never really told them. Like, like it's interesting. I never really came out to people. What happened was when I told my parents because I'd heard these horror stories of people when they come out, they have to go in and they have to ring all the aunties and the uncles. And I thought, oh, God, is this what I've got to do? And I remember my mom going, under no circumstances, you don't know anyone an explanation. She's like, absolutely not. So I never really did any of that. Like, I never really told aunties and uncles. And the first time I think they would have heard would have been when I did stand up on telly. Wow, that's interesting. And and, (laughs) and in a way, it's kind of cool because why should everybody have to be called why should it seem like a fucking cancer diagnosis like did you hear that garage has the gay you know like it shouldn't be that it should just be like a a a thing that you find out over time and it's just irrelevant yeah you see i think what happened was there was i think back then it was not so much what would the neighbors think but it was more oh we can't we can't have them talking about us behind our backs so we better just put our dirty laundry all out there out there for everyone to see. So ring them, call everyone. Um, whereas with my, I think in my situation, I think, okay, my parents were great, number one. But I think also it was kind of obvious and it was also really, um, with the bullying thing, like a lot of people knew about that and a lot of people, that would have been what people would have spoken about, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah. it was kind of, oh, he's been beaten up again. <laughs> you know, that was always the... So I, I guess that that bit of the work was just done in a different space. I don't know. 
Yeah, but but it's still, did you feel like, did you feel better just walking around, just being like, I know who I am now and I don't have to hide oh, it? yeah, yeah, totally. Like, you get this high of just like, you're just, oh, it's like I'm, I can finally look at myself in the mirror. Like, it's just like, oh, thank God, you know, that bit's done. Yeah, you know, and like, it was, oh, no, go ahead. It, well, well, I think it's always that thing of, I'm going to have to do this at some point. And it's all, you think about it every minute of every day and then it's just kind of done. So you're like, oh, amazing. <laughs> and did you, go to co- did you go to college and stuff? Yeah, 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 I did. Um, but I was, like in college, I was a disaster. I was just, I, like I was just very quiet, like just not sociable whatsoever. So I did three years of college and then I left. And then I went back and finished it in my late 20s, I think. All right. How old were you when you started doing stand-up? I was 27, I think. Ah, right. Yeah. You know, like, was that like another thing you were keeping in the closet? (laughs) You decided to get up on stage? 100%. It was my dirty little secret. And I was, oh, I loved it. That's what I loved about it. Because I had this little thing that nobody else knew that I was kind of cultivating. And then it wasn't until I won the Bulmers, I think, Something like that. I was in the paper anyway. And there wasn't a photograph, just my name. And I was like, uh, and, you know, Gerald Farrelly's kind of an uncommon name. So I was kind of out of them. And my parents came along. So you actually, you actually started doing stand-up and didn't really tell anybody? No, I told one or two friends, but it wasn't. You see, I, I, for years I had been doing things like plays and musicals and all that sort of stuff. And I kind of gave that up. Um, and then this kind of took its place, but really privately, because I just really enjoyed the writing of it. That was my- And what was it that pushed you towards it? Like, what was it that made you think, I want to do stand-up? Especially like, um, you're, not, you're, not seeing a load of, you're not seeing a load of people like you. Like, what was it that was Yeah. I, well, I used to go to the International, so I'd watch, um, oh. like, I was, I was in and out of there. Um, and again, but I was seeing a lot of, st- like, lads doing stand-up. And then I, because um, I wasn't really interested in doing stand-up myself. I, I, that wasn't, it wasn't really on the cards, but I loved doing characters, like character stuff. And because I, I, and I'd done a solo show that was a play before that. And um, so I used to write all these characters that were shocking. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I think you'd like, be fucking, I think you'd be a fucking huge viral star on TikTok now if you went back and did those characters. <laughs> I, I really feel like you were, you were underserved by the amount I, of social media. I, I had I used to do a priest that would answer uh like an agony aunt. I'm telling you, man, you'd be Terrible. killing it. You'd be Dreadful. killing it, man. But um yeah, and I, do you know what I went to see? I went to see Funny Girls. Do you remember Funny Girls? Oh yeah. So what was Funny Girls again? It was like it was the uh, Anne and Sue from the Nulas, um, Palm Boyd, oh god, who else? Kathy O'Rourke. And they were all just doing uh, they're all just in characters and stuff. And I thought, oh my God, this is like just in characters, a stand-up. So I started to do that and then was terrible at it. <laughs> Gave but it isn't, it, isn't it amazing? Like this is a stereotype, but this is a stereotype that I'm getting from actually Matteo Lane was saying to me that gay men love female stand-ups. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. I, I love that. I loved it. Like, do you remember, like, the Sue Collins used to do this character called Carmel? Yeah, Carmel, yeah. Oh, my God, I used to love that. Like, and Palm Boyd used to do the Windy Lady. Oh, it was just genius. So I I just started doing bits of that, was really, really bad at it, and uh, gave it up, and well, then didn't realise I had an open spot booked with Simon. Uh, with Capital Comedy yeah. in Dublin. Oh, that was Capital Comedy was going on at that time? Yeah. Yeah. And he sent me a MySpace to see if I still wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect bit of, just a nice bit of aging there. Just a nice yeah, bit there of- you go. Date the story. And uh, yeah, I just did a stand-up and it went well. So I just kept going. Then you caught the bug. Yeah. What a bug, like. <laughs> yeah, because when I went back, I looked at your Wikipedia and I was like, fuck, 2009. I know, yeah. Yeah. And I was, it's interesting, like, because that Wikipedia was set up by uh, that competition, So I Think You're Funny. And when I look back at my So I Think You're Funny heat, it was like a who's who of today's comedy. <laughs> or the final, it was like Sarah Pascoe and Sean Walsh uh, and Josh Whittacombe 
um, Daniel Sloss. And, oh, Sloss was in that one? Yeah, I can't remember. There was four or five of them now that are massive. <laughs> yeah, only one has been cancelled. <laughs> oh, I know. There's a part of me that like just thinks, oh God, a cancellation would make a decision. <laughs> <laughs> That's a-, a cancellation is a decision. Like you just go, ah, oh, look, I'll go, I'll get a job. It's grand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, honestly, that is so fu- yeah. like to me. That's so funny because I, of course, I don't want to be canceled. But like sometimes when you see people being canceled around you, and and sometimes like it's for the most innocuous shit, and you just you know the stress that they're going through, you just kind of feel like I just want it to be over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There is that. There is that feeling of like, oh, the, the, it's completely. You know, it feels like it's just like this. The finger could just. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, this is not a complaint about cancel. This is my new joke, by the way. I haven't done it yet, but I I told Hannah it, and I say uh, I want I want to do something about cancel culture, but in a, in in a very sort of like astute way of understanding the pros and cons of cancel culture. So I'm trying to work. This is my my introduction to the bit, which is as a comedian, of course I hate cancel culture, but I don't want to complain about it because I hate the people that complain about cancel culture more. <laughs> And before anybody turns around and says, but then you hate yourself, you say, I've fucking known that since I started yeah. drinking when I was 12. So don't fucking hold that over my head. <laughs> but exactly anyway. It. You yeah. just don't know what to do in those situations. You don't know. And, and, and you kind of go, even when you're writing material now, I kind of think, is that, um, is that okay? I, I feel like there should be, you know, like in college, there's this thing now where if you submit an essay, that it goes through this, this, kind of thing that checks for plagiarism oh right right yeah, I, I just i just that. i feel like there should be something like that now for comics that like you just upload your document of your new show and it's like well actually you were a bit sexist there actually that was a bit <laughs> some internalized homophobia going on there girl you need to sort that out i just think that'd be really helpful <laughs> wow internalized homophobia fuck me i tell you you got extra shit <laughs> you got, you got probably there is a part of me that's like is do I have some piece of currency here that I don't know about? Because I don't know, it, I don't know if it's really ever served me in that way. You know, like it, there's a part of me that thinks, "Oh, should I? Am I somebody that's underserved that should be getting more now?" Yeah, or, well, I, honestly, if you want my, do, you want, all this? do you want my personal opinion? Do you want my personal opinion? Just even just based on this conversation alone, I feel okay. like you don't play it enough, and that's my that's my genuine opinion. Okay. I, I, I feel like you've got really interesting stories to tell and you're stopping yourself telling them based on some internalized homophobia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it then. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to do Edinburgh. Right, I will, I will. I'll do it. Exactly. <laughs> fucking let it out. Before all the fucking, before all the gays come through and take all the fucking jokes, let it out, Garrod. Yeah, I, like... You're from I Holy Catholic Ireland, man. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, no, maybe I, it's I, that, or maybe it's like there, there's a part of me as well that's just like, oh, I don't know. I don't. I just actually maybe you're right. Maybe it's a lack of commitment. But there's a part of me that's like, I just don't want to give it all of that. You know? No. And listen, I'm I'm joking with you because I I totally know. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll I'll tell you a very quick story. The, the the marriage referendum day, which I do want to talk to you about, but you know, I did this like this nothing thing of driving people to the polls, and it just like caught a wind of like viral stuff on Twitter. So much so that NPR uh, does an interview with me the next day, but they keep wanting to focus on Holy Catholic Ireland has legalized gay marriage. They they want to keep focusing on this formerly Catholic country, and in my mind, I'm like, listen, you're right. You know, but at the same time, like this didn't just happen yesterday. Like Ireland's changed quite a bit, you know, yeah, like yeah. over the last two decades. And it was kind of annoying me that they were going for this simple narrative. So I can understand how you want to resist that because you almost feel like you're playing into a like, uh, you know, a too simplistic stereotype of a very complicated situation that you've been through as yeah. a human. It's it, that that time was all really weird. Like I, I have very complicated feelings about the marriage referendum, uh, and it's now just make sure that you don't get cancelled when you talk. I know, about I could it. get cancelled. <laughs> well, no, like, like it was more. I I think a lot of it had to do with age, and a lot had to do with where you are in your life and stuff. But there was a there was a part of me that felt this thing is going to happen. It's going to happen anyway. Uh, but there was a part of me that felt. Is this 
is it right for it to be happening at a time when we're just given license to anybody that wants to say anything negative about gay people now they can do it because that's it's that's their campaign there was like there was a part of me that halfway through it i felt i are we doing something really really wrong here because are, is there 12 year olds at school coming home and gonna look at those posters about no for gay really? marriage like I just really felt like, what are we doing here? We're, and we're, we're, there was also there was also a thing that the Yes campaign really had to like really embrace victimhood, I think as well, which is something that gay people have been fighting against for years. And I just, I just felt every single gay person was put in this really, really weird position. Uh, and it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I'm really glad it happened. But I remember the week it was happening, like I'd done canvassing, I'd been out, done all of that. And then I was like, okay, now I'm out of this. I don't want anything to do with it. I voted. And after I voted, I went and I did a gig in somewhere. I can't remember. I, so you didn't, have that, like, you didn't have that elated, jubilant feeling on the Saturday? No, uh, no I, I was kind of, I was delighted it happened. Of course I was delighted it happened. But I just really felt that gay people everywhere had been through something. And I felt... Okay, it was great that what what we got out of it, but it, we shouldn't be so quick to deny what we've all just been through because that was we right. were back in the dark ages there. Right. See, because, that's re- that's really interesting because, of course, you know, I, I'm just looking at it as a debate on an important issue. I'm not thinking about the emotions of listening <laughs> listening to these fucking Iona Institute well, assholes. Well, it's it's like it's it's that thing of an RTE, you know, if it's like now, you know, Des is on here and he's going to say, you know, why we should have gay marriage, and now. The other side of that, someone is going to talk about how they should be set on fire. And you're like, well, that's, you know, that's not really. <laughs> yes. And that is the, that, the, the fairness, the, what is it, the, the Broadcasting Act or whatever, the fairness in broadcasting. Like, I do feel like it's, uh, you know, it's abused by, by certain groups that don't really have, you know, like. like I, I, Yeah, yeah. I, I, but, I, but, I, but I protect that act because I see the alternate side here in the United States where you can just have one point of view 24-7 and then people just end up with like a warped sense of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's, it for something like, yeah, but for something like the marriage equality referendum, it really was abused by people who wanted to say quite hurtful shit. Like there should still be protection against hate speech. Yeah. You know, like it's a separate yeah, issue. Yeah. It's like we have an act about fairness and broadcasting, but we also have protection against hate speech. But these people almost yeah. got, I never thought of it that way, that they really had a license to hate. Oh, yeah, they could say whatever they wanted. And there was, there was a part to me that I felt like, there's like, there's 15-year-old kids and, or 14-year-old kids in places like, you know, Roscommon that had a, a, a no vote. Like, what are they feeling like? Those, po- you know, I just, I, I thought, I, it felt like we'd all really let the dogs off the leash. And I know we had to do it to get where we got to, but that, yeah, I just don't know. I I, I thought it was, I think it was the worst time in, in my adult life, definitely. Wow, uh, really? That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. That's amazing because you would think, even leading up to this conversation, I was thinking that must be like a, like a like, yeah, a, no, like a watermark. I, I I hadn't thought about it in in so long, but it, yeah, I remember the time. Jesus, I felt so shit forever. Like I was just. It it was awful. And we were just so. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Like, the, hilariously, like, uh, from my bedroom window, I could see, like, a no campaign. <laughs> I remember, like, uh, you know, you open the windows in the morning, you're like, 
it's a no again, Darren. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, it was very strange time. But I mean, obviously, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad we had it. But I, I also think that we can't oversimplify what gay people went through. Because all of my straight friends were delighted. <laughs> I know. I was delighted. I was walking yeah, around all, town. Were, I was walking around town on the Saturday thinking it was the fucking best night of my life. <laughs> yeah, it was. But it was it was a really, really great thing. It was amazing. And it's lovely to look back at that now, at that time and go, oh yeah. And there is a person who's going, God, I wish I had stayed around town. But at the time I was just like, Oh, get me out of here. <laughs> because it was a special really- moment to watch. Jerry Adams yeah. and Jerry Adams and Panty Bliss on the fucking stage together. <laughs> or or um that guy uh, Vincent Brown and the George. <laughs> it was brilliant. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's it right. So good. It was so good. It was a it was such a brilliant time. But I like in case I get in trouble for it, but there is just a part of me that thinks like we cannot forget that there was a lot of there's a lot well, of no, and I, kids I, I, who saw all that. Saw bad messages there, you know. Yeah, and but I but I also think that like if that's what you felt as a gay man, it is guaranteed that a lot of people felt that. We're never as unique as we think. So it's better to True, be yeah. honest. Like, I feel like it's better to be honest about what you feel about it because you know that some people are going to be like, oh, fuck, thank God I thought I was the only one, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny because all of my friends were the same. Like, like I've so, so many gay friends that were, because I, I remember the WhatsApps of the day and I was like, thank God this is over. Whereas like all my straight friends like, yeah, because like I found it really difficult because stray friends used to have this heart not like it was more acquaintances you know like or you know people you weren't too close to who would like stop you and go I just want to say that I think that you should have the same rights as me and it was like cool but I'm <laughs> I'm just I'm just in the canteen have my lunch like I, <laughs> but thanks thanks <laughs> it, ju- it was just it felt like we there was so much mind and that had to go on with everyone <laughs> and i was like this, is this equality i don't know if it is <laughs> <laughs> plus marriage is always going to be a fucking letdown you know <laughs> but that that was the jokes of the time of course you know yeah yeah it was interesting it, like it, it's such a brilliant thing that it was done by the popular vote like like historically it's great it's great that it was done that way it's absolutely brilliant but it, like like any sort of revolution i suppose it's always pretty rough at the time <laughs> messy. that's what i always say to people you know yeah. revolutions are messy like everyone thinks like shit's gonna change uh you know like like suddenly there's gonna be a revelation shit's gonna change and everyone's happily ever after but actually it takes fucking it takes yeah. decades it does yeah yeah, it takes hours. It's inter- it's interesting. Like it's funny to th- even talk about it with you. I haven't talked about it in so long. Well, sorry, man. I fucking <laughs> I came in hot with my fucking Just, inquisitive. I'm in a really dark place now, Des. <laughs> straight, my inquisitive straight mind. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I, you know, like I it just obviously it's, it's not it's not to do with the marriage equality referendum, but. I, I think year on year, it's 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 more and more acceptable to be out. I have no idea about how much homophobia has decreased, but I think you've probably noticed that it seems oh, that yeah. the average sixteen-year-old nowadays is is experiencing probably less homophobia in school and possibly a little more sort of celebrated, like "Oh, you are who you are, come out." Now, I don't know, but that seems to be the story. Yeah, I definitely think it is. One of my friends, uh, it's interesting. He was a gay secondary school teacher. And he said there was a massive change, like a really, really big change uh, since then. Because at the time, like we, we would have canvassed together and he, it was illegal for him to, to canvass or he could have been in, in serious trouble. There was an act that wasn't enacted until after the marriage referendum about teachers in Catholic schools um, canvassing for things that go against the ethos of the school. Oh, right. Jesus. That didn't come in until after the marriage referendum. And he said there was a big change. Uh uh and it was that he was very disappointed then around the conor mcgregor thing um, what was the conor mcgregor thing conor mcgregor called some guy you know oh that's right the yeah. f-word and yeah and i remember my mate saying like it was awful because we had this this window where the gay kids were cool yeah like it, it, there was this window after the marriage referendum and then after that again it was well, he you is because Conor McGregor is the hero of. I know, and he yeah. he's definitely not the bastion of progressive ideas. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> I know, and you know it's funny. Like I I hear that, and I don't think about it. But then you see that there's like huge 
it trickles right down to people think it's acceptable to use that word again. And yeah, it's really interesting because he he it's interesting talking to the teachers of secondary schools about this sort of stuff because they get this real insight into how quick that stuff filters through. It's yeah. fascinating. But but again, I think it's that thing of when a when a cha- when a big change happens, they know that this is all okay. You know, they just get educated about um feelings and stuff it's like you know guys that fill around with guys and then are straight or you know it's just things that happen whereas they before i think there was this thing of like well if you open this door you better be prepared to go into it forever <laughs> yeah yeah that there's, there's, there's yeah there's no sense of well i always felt that that was women were a little more comfortable with exploring that whereas with men it was just like a much heavier thing yeah it's like okay if you if you even attempt to cross that threshold well then kiss your masculinity goodbye good luck yeah and you're, you're, game you're over <laughs> yeah you're gay for life but that's the whole problem is you grew up with a, a sense of gay being some sort of a negative thing yeah well i mean that was the, and I it hasn't that, gone it's not gone completely i don't sometimes i think people are living in fucking cloud cuckoo land it's like there's still most guys would be ashamed to even have a gay thought you know, I know, yeah, and and that's what it is. Like that is the thing about coming out. That I think that was the difficulties because you were kind of like, oh, but if I do this, I, I can never go back. But like, don't be ridiculous. Two points, yeah. you can go back. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> just not the way the world works. Like <laughs> these emotional traps that we created for ourselves in the nineties. I, I like, know it's it's fucking <laughs> nuts. So let me just before we go, because I talk about the pandemic because. You know, I left. I fucking I emigrated, and I got a lot of shame for it. You know, no. like a lot of people are like you fucked off. I was like, listen, fucking <laughs> Irish well, people are well, not allowed to complain to anybody about leaving when times get tough. Okay, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> but anyway, there's a couple of famine ships. <laughs> there's a couple of cancellations overdue there. No, but there are times lately, particularly where. I feel disconnected because the, the, the early part of the pandemic is pretty similar experience that we all had, but this latter part of the pandemic for me, I feel is very different. I'm already vaccinated. The, you know, we, we've had, we haven't had a full lockdown since that first lockdown. We've never had this 5k. And I, I really, I'm feeling the frustrations of Irish people tremendously, but I also see that you, there's, there's, what what looks like to me, and I, and I'm very like by letter of the law on dealing with this coronavirus pandemic, but I do feel like it's getting very rigid now in Ireland that like you have to have a certain point of view or you're in big trouble. And I'm just wondering where you're sort of at now because all my friends are getting very frustrated. Oh yeah, I, I'm pretty frustrated with it. Um, I think it's been a it's been a weird year. Like I mean, like I think this time last year I was definitely thinking oh, this is, comedy's over. Like, that's the end of that and move on to something else. Oh, you you but, were thinking about your own career? like Yeah, I was thinking about that and I, I thought that we would get through it quickly and everything would, because I was impressed with how quickly things moved here at the start. You know, like the the pandemic payment and all of that sort of stuff. It just, yes. it feels like, oh, these people are really on it. And then I think the change of government happened and <laughs> they were the, disastrous. Like, I think... Uh, and I think people are really frustrated now. And I think also it's that thing creeping in of we're kind of judging each other. And we've all, Ireland has always been brilliant at that. Yes, um, I'm seeing that. That's why yeah. I wanted to ask you about it because I feel disconnected from it. I don't even know who to hate. Yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's people, it's this thing of like, look at all the people who are here and I'm here too. That sort of stuff. And, you know, people giving out about, like just, it, it's just like this, low level of bitching going on in every single conversation and and it's this thing of like when you go into a shop everyone is just like you know doing their hands really just so you can see just so you can see i'm right and you should be further back and all of that sort of stuff whereas i think it that's just a manifestation of everyone's frustration with everything i think people are just so pissed off i mean my own mother has been like no no we're 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 done now we've done we've done our time let's forget about the virus (laughs) It's tough because like a lot of it has to do with like the bad vaccine rollout and like when when a lot of places are starting to get hope, it's just like Ireland keeps getting these like moments yeah. where it's like actually don't get hope yet because we're, we're things are getting worse and it's like it's kind of hard to it's hard to believe this long into it. 
like it's hard to believe actually that we are where we are and, and they keep saying things like we'll have a million done by the end of the weekend and then it's like well it's the end of the weekend and there's no there's nobody saying we've done a million so i know we, like i even saw Maraid Maraid farrell posted that her grandfather got vaccinated he's like over 80 and i was like god they're still like that's where they're at like the over 80s yeah. are fucking and, and we see things like friends on social media who are our age in other countries and like you're what what but like I've been, gigging. Up, I've been gigging. I've been gigging. I've been doing shows since Friday. I've been Amazing. doing shows since Friday. What was it like, actually? Tell me what it was like to get back on after a year off. Yeah. So, like, you know, because I, I talked to John Bishop a couple of days ago, and I was very much right after the weekend. But even since then, uh, I mean, there's a lot going on. First of all, you will be surprised when, because I know you've been doing these Zoom shows, which is fantastic. And I think it's been great. Everyone's been really creative with how they figure out how to entertain people. But we are stand up comedians. Guy Rhodes. Yeah, yeah. It is amazing how the minute you get back on stage, you realize like, oh, this is what I love. I know. The fucking, the TikToks and all the other shit that blows people up. It's like, that's great for them, but this is what I do. It's like a fucking vocation, you know? Like the minute you're up there, you're like, oh, fuck, this is it. And even the the outdoor shows don't do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't do any outdoor shows and I didn't really do any Zoom gigs at the start. And then I did one with uh, Sarah Millican and then Joanne asked me to start doing a few. And I even said to Joanne, I was like, I, I don't think I'm going to, I think I'm out, like, to be honest. I don't, I've no real desire to do it. And you know, Joanne, she was just like, come on, we're doing well, Yeah, because she, like, like she catastrophizes. So like, literally, she's like, if we don't do this now, like everything's gone. Every- yeah, <laughs> so she's like, we have to save comedy. And I, I did the first one. And when we finished, I was like, oh, my God, no, there's so much like it, it just reignited something yeah. that I genuinely didn't think was there at all. So the idea of actually doing going back to on a stage now, I'm just I cannot wait. Like, yeah, I, I actually. I really so on the second night, would you believe I think it was yeah, the second night uh, it was on Saturday. So I was in there's four venues at the Comedy Cellar and two of them are better than the other two in terms of how they're set up for COVID because it's not like a normal show. There's social distancing and two of the venues have like a plexiglass thing. It's a long story, but I won't bore you. But in, on the Saturday show in the Village Underground, there was a... Oh, I was just doing my, my, my thousand-year-old intro joke of I'm from New York, but I moved to Ireland, that joke. And it got like a fucking huge laugh. Just like on a what it didn't deserve the laugh that it got. <laughs> and the charge of energy I got, I actually stopped. I actually got like stopped yeah. in my tracks by the surge of energy. And I told the crowd, I was like, wow, I so said, you guys like that didn't deserve the laugh that it got, but like I have to just stop and just tell you that like that was like fucking heroin. <laughs> like, like that felt so fucking good. And then they were like, yeah. And there was that sense that they were getting as much out of it to just be out and laughing because they've watched all their fucking videos and they've enjoyed all the virals and the funny Zoom calls and people taking pisses when they thought they were on mute. They've had their yeah, fucking yeah. pandemic laughs, but they want to have like a human experience. So, and then... the but the last thing I'll say, which is very much what I'm identifying with what you said just a second ago was particularly last night. So last night I was up and I've now had like five nights of working on these mostly, I I do jokes about getting vaccinated early and that's really gone well for me. Like I have like five minutes on getting vaccinated early. And like last night I, I just really fucking nailed it. And I also started to push into like improvs on other stuff. And then afterwards I was just like, I'm going to write 10 hours of fucking material this week. I was like so fucking charged up creative. I was like, I, I got so many fucking, I, the whole world needs to know everything that's going on in my mind. I felt so fucking pumped. And I, you know, so it, 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 it you need, I didn't write shit for a year. I was not yeah. motivated. And once you're back on stage, it fucking, it lights you up. And I'm not saying that's a universal experience, but I was not creatively inspired by sitting around doing nothing. I was, I was so surprised by, the stuff, the chemistry that goes on in you after a gig and just being out of the situation where that normally happens. Because you know, with the way, like you walk off stage and you're in a green room or you're in a stairs or there's something, there's a comics or you're talking about the show and it just, there's a kind of a wind down. And even if it's only two minutes, it's just a thing that happens. And I found with Zoom gigs that I was like, all of a sudden I was in the kitchen loading the dishwasher or something. And you're just like, 
whoa, that, <laughs> I just, I wasn't used to feeling like that in my house. Like, <laughs> it was just, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just, I'm cannot, I cannot wait. Like I would literally stand on a pallet on the street corner now at this point. <laughs> yeah. The, the funny you mentioned about the chemistry of gigs, because one of the things that sucks about getting older and just learning more about life is that. I'm too aware these days that it's just some fucking hormones that have been secreted that are making me feel this way, you know? And I was in my car last night uh, and I was just driving out of the gig and I I deliberately didn't, I didn't call Hannah straight away because I was sitting there in the car being like, this is just hormones, like this is going to pass in 15 minutes and I, I it, it'll be gone. It's not real. Yes. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> It's just like that little hit instead of just being like, I'm the king of the world. <laughs> I know. It's like I, I fucking used to love actually thinking I was the king of the world, whereas now I know it's just fucking hormones. It's I just chemical. That I used to try and get on the road while I still had that. Oh, oh, oh 100%. Like, oh, yeah, because I'm just like, okay, yeah, I'm on the road. I won't be sleepy. I'll be uh, going to use the hormones to get me halfway home. Like, <laughs> have, you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that every song sounds better than, you know, like, like fucking Come On Eileen will come on. You're driving home and you're just like, come on, Eileen. Like, like suddenly it's like the best song you've ever heard. And, exactly. And then, <laughs> yeah. And you've got the sunroof open, you know, <laughs> at, <laughs> at half 10 <laughs> on Saturday evening in Roscommon. <laughs> yeah, but for me, it's a fucking safety thing because I'm so bad at falling asleep behind the wheel. I did actually crash a car in Australia falling asleep behind the wheel. So for me, it's like a safety thing. Like if I can get 45 minutes on the road, with the fucking yeah. uh, with the elation, I'm like halfway home without even having to start worrying about getting sleepy. That's behind exactly the my thoughts on it. Yeah, it's like yeah, get, stave off the sleep with the post gig buzz. Like that's not rock and roll at all. <laughs> oh, the, 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 the rock and roll thing fades really quick. But I think this yeah. is great because our conversation began and ended with the kind of the reality behind the performance. We started talking about sound audio and we finished talking about the best way to drive home from a show. Yeah. <laughs> and after this, I'm going to go load my dish treasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was great. Well, first of all, it's only fucking, what time is it? It's, uh, it's 9 a.m. for me. But this is oh, really, wow. that's the one great yeah. thing about the pandemic is I, I've been able to actually uh, take advantage of the fact that I am a morning guy. Like really, you know, yeah. Like I was doing this at eight. I didn't set the alarm. And are you still <laughs> dipping in and out of the pod of meeting your heroes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinated. Yeah, I'm making that. Um, I just dropped an episode last week. So it's called, that's um, called fascinated. It's called fascinated. Yeah, and I tracked down people that I was a big fan of when I was a teenager. Great. So squirreled away in my room. Oh, actually, well, since I have you, what's what's been the best one for you? What's the best track down that you've had? Um, the best was, uh, there was an Irish singer songwriter called Naomi Coleman. There was Eternal, a girl from Eternal. And also I got to interview Tyne Daly, who I was just like. And who's Tyne Daly? I was showing my fucking ignorance. Tyne Daly. She was, she was Lacey and Cagney and Lacey. Oh my God. (laughs) I used to watch it with my mother when I was 10 years of age. Here we go. Just. Just another thing to put a take besides. <laughs> I think like, everybody yeah, everybody should go straight away and listen to if you do nothing else. No, you, you follow Garrod <laughs> definitely, but at least go listen to Garrod talk to Lacey. <laughs> Lacey, yeah. Farley and Lacey. <laughs> Irish people have so much awareness of Cagney and Lacey because in the early days of no channels, Cagney and Lacey was on. So when I would tell people I'm from Queens, Irish people would always go, Oh, like Cagney and Lacey. Yeah, like, like, like that was. was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. It was great to catch up. Thanks so much. Great to catch up with you. Thanks a million. Take care. Thank you, Garrods. Let me just spell out his Instagram again. So I want to make sure he knows it was worth his while. At G-E-A-R-O-I-D-F-A-R-R-E-L-L-Y. Garrods Farley. And uh, check out his podcast that he mentioned. And... uh, yeah, keep an eye out if you're in Ireland. Keep an eye out for uh, him doing Zoom shows and different things that he's been doing. Uh, all that stuff will be posted on his social media. Um, thanks so much to you guys for being loyal listeners. Um, we'll be back next week. And uh, I'm not exactly sure 
who the guest is going to be yet, but no doubt it'll be a good guest. Uh, nothing else to report, really. I'm actually in Manhattan right now, and uh, the apartment is insanely hot, and I, I think it's affecting my energy levels. So I don't know, can I do my usual, uh, my usual yapping away? But needless to say, I'm still enjoying being back on stage. That was actually a couple of weeks ago that I chatted to Garrods. So I've been doing a lot more comedy since. And uh, it's very enjoyable, I have to say. And uh, I've got two spots tonight. Two spots. Actually, I have two spots now for the next, uh, the next five nights. So I'll keep you updated on that. And of course, I'm, I'm waiting to find out exactly what we're going to do about me and Mama. I cannot wait to figure that out. Um, and that's it, guys. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much. You are the best. Hit me up at Des Bishop. Slide into the DMs. Any suggestions for what you want to talk about? Guests you want me to try to get? Guests that you might have connections with yourself? Talk to you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.